All right, hey guys, welcome to the Filipino American Ministry Podcast. I'm uh, your host, Henrik, and this is my co-host, Aaron. And today we're going to be talking about the needs of the second generation in an immigrant church or in a Filipino American church um, specifically. So yeah, um, why don't you share your thoughts, Aaron? What do you think? Um, what are the <laughs> needs of the second generation? Starting with me already, dude. I'm 1.5, your second generation. So maybe we should start with you. Uh, <laughs> For you okay. guys who don't know, Henrik grew up in the U.S. So he's second gen through and yeah, through. Yeah, yeah. I moved here when I was 15 or 16. So I'm more of a halfway there, 1.5. Yeah, well, I think <clears throat> when I formed this question or when I was thinking of this question, I was also thinking like, for millennials, because we're millennials, like what are the needs of millennials, the millennial generation in an immigrant church? And then I could yeah. speak more to the Gen Z, like what did the Gen Z want to, what are their needs? Um, because I was doing youth ministry. Oh, we should probably differentiate that, you know, like I think even though we grew up at church in, in the same church as youth, you know, millennials are probably different from Gen Z and you're more in that culture than I am. In Gen Z? Yeah. I don't know if, I don't know if the differences are big. Yeah. Uh, I think the, I think there's a lot of commonality, but the Gen Z does, it seems like they do have their own. I don't, I still feel like I need to consult the youth that I'm close with. To understand probably, I think that's probably uh, more important, meaning, uh, you know, the, the Gen Z, the needs for Gen Z, since I'm guessing a lot of our listeners are going to have to deal with Gen Zs yeah, more yeah. than millennials. Yeah, yeah. That would be a good uh, topic to, to talk about next. Like what? But in general, we can talk about... About uh, both of them. Yeah, yeah. I think there's uh, there's uh, commonalities. No matter what age, like uh, no matter what age we're in or what generation, uh, the second generation has specific needs, I think. Like I created a list of things that the second generation needs, and one of them is community. I think that's something to watch out for in the immigrant church because the immigrant church is more geared towards like community wise, I think it's more geared towards the first generation. For those of you who don't know what we mean by first and second, first generation is the, the Filipinos who moved here and uh, to America and then they, they're raising their kids and their kids are second gen. Mm -hmm. And Aaron is 1.5 because he came here when he was in high school. So he grew up half his, half of his childhood was in the Philippines. Half of After high school, actually. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. It was after high school, but he was sixteen, right, or fifteen? Yeah, sixteen in college. <laughs> sixteen. Crazy in college. times, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I was thinking. Uh, I think community, um, people who are like them who, that they can relate to. Some Filipino American churches I've gone to, uh, the parents there's like way more first generation than second generation. The way I've seen second generation really enjoy their time in a. Filipino American churches when they have a lot of, when the youth ministry is large, 
Um, but I've seen a lot of churches where the youth ministry is like five people. I'm not saying that that's bad or that there's, they're doing something wrong. But I think, uh, if you only have five youth kids, like making them feel like a sense of community will be really helpful for them. Like that they can have people who are like them. Mm-hmm. There's a sense of inclusion and, uh, in a larger sense, I think, uh, second generation, they don't really have a place to call home sometimes because when they're in their schools, they have, uh, American culture. And to an extent, um, if you're Asian looking, you continually feel like you're an immigrant. Even though you grew up in America, some people look at you as if you don't belong here or like you're don't, you're not from here. Yeah. The idea is that people who are Asian, they always feel like they're not included in as part of America. In their schools, they, they might feel out of place. And then when they're in their Filipino community, mm-hmm. They can feel out of place too because they don't speak Tagalog or Filipino. So they feel like, yeah, there's a gate from keeping them from being Filipino. So they're not fully Filipino. They're not fully American. Mm-hmm. So the safe place for them is the, when they have other second gen, yeah, uh, second gens around them. <clears throat> so, um, what are some ways that you've tried to? You know, as a youth minister, what are some ways that you've tried to help your youth have that sense of community? Yeah, for for my youth and also for us, uh, we started our own youth group. I think that really helped with the sense of community. Like when we had our youth group, uh, I, I really felt because I was an only child. So I really felt like you guys were my brothers and sisters. Hey, you're talking about our generation. Yeah, I'm talking about our, our youth group uh, back in a while back. Yeah, And also I noticed like... Uh, there's something amazing when Filipino American churches, they have retreats or when they have like uh, joint events. Like mm-hmm. it's amazing to see like how much joy the youth have to see other Filipino American kids. Yeah. Um, and to an extent, I think uh, like when we've had retreats for the youth ministry, um, when we've had these big uh, retreats with other Filipino Americans, they kind of like, this is kind of a danger, but they kind of, they were able to like connect very, very fast. Like when, yeah, they were able to connect really fast and build really strong friendships. And it was like kind of centered on their identity as Filipino Americans. So that's something you have to watch out for. But like even the kids who are not really spiritually mature or some kids who are not even Christians, um, they were able to make form like really close friendships with other Filipino American, uh, kids from other churches. Uh, so that was, that was something that else that I would say is that, um, partner with other Filipino American churches in your area and have joint events or, yeah, have joint events. And then, um, that would help in building that community. Um, cause I think when we started our retreats, <clears throat> when we started that in combination with churches from Virginia, DC, uh, Maryland, we built, we kind of built this Filipino American church community. So even mm-hmm. though you're, even though there's only five of you in one church, you, you know, five other youth kids from that church, you know, five other youth kids from that church. And then you like, when you're old enough, you actually drive around hang, yeah. and meet up with them. So th- there's that sense of community. Um, even though you're in an immigrant church, you have that sense of community. Hmm. Yeah. 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 
Um, before you move on to the next um, thing on the list that you've listed down, um, can you think of uh, why? I mean, you mentioned earlier that uh, a lot of times Filipino churches are geared towards first gen when it comes to community. Is it because they just forget about the second gen or it's just that's not something they think about or it's just too difficult? Yeah, I think it's um, the first generation. I don't think they were trained to um, handle American kids. Like they were, they grew up in the Philippines and then the way that they understand kids is, um, I mean, they don't have to make a conscious effort to help their kids feel like they're part of the community. And I don't know if maybe this is a generational issue. Maybe it's just, uh, this is a problem in any, even the Filipino churches in the Philippines, maybe they have this issue too with the next generation having that sense of community. Um, but I think for the, at least for in the in Filipino American churches, um, it's not that they don't care about their kids. It's that they, um, they're not prepared to deal with, uh, Filipino, like American kids. They don't, they're not thinking that they're from, they're also different, not only generationally, but they also have differences in, in culture. And I think that like think- the, for example, like the Tagalog, they don't speak Tagalog most of mm-hmm. the time. So that's something that they didn't, they, I don't think they anticipated. So when they have their Filipino gatherings, I think at least for me, I don't understand what they're saying or what they're laughing about. <laughs> <laughs> you just kind of laugh when they laugh. Yeah. Or I just, I'm just <laughs> if there are no other Filipino American kids there, I'm just like, I'm like bored or. Yeah. Staring Robert, my, the, my kid does that. What does he do? He just laughs. He laughs when we're all laughing. Um, I, I, you know, I do plan to teach him Tagalog, but it's kind of funny. You know, he's yeah. five and so. Yeah, but I was able to, um, but I think there's some, there's nice, there are good spots to it too, because I was able to pick up some Tagalog from, from those yeah. interactions. Um, do you think that like maybe parents think that, uh, you know, if there's a youth group, that's sort of enough. Like that's, that's sufficient maybe. Maybe that's probably why they're not thinking also of like, or maybe the church leadership is just thinking, you know, do we have a youth group? That's enough. So maybe they're not thinking of more, um, proactive ways, I, I suppose, or like more future, um, plans of how they could, um, incorporate more of the second generation, maybe like have second generation leadership and that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, I think for sure they, when, the, the, when they see a, a, a youth group, then they feel that, uh, community needs are met. And I think they're met for the most part. But is there, a, is there something else you had in mind of like how they can, how they can build community? Other yeah, because you, because you mean, I mean, you were saying that like there is a need for community. So I guess my question for you is, is having a youth group enough for, for that community aspect? Yeah. Well, I think uh, the youth group for sure is a good, yeah, a good place to start. And then maybe um, community also like uh, there should be also like intergenerational relationships. Um, I think that one also needs to be built. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they feel that they also connect with the adults. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we've talked a little bit about this because, I mean, we mentioned earlier that... Uh, 
a lot of Filipinos do kind of enjoy the youth group, but like at some point, uh, they start to, to leave even if there's like a youth group. Hmm. It's probably not just a community issue. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I think, well, I think that youth group is definitely like if they didn't have the youth group, uh, it would be more understandable if the, they would leave the secondary. But it helps. Helps yeah, a lot. but it, it helps a lot, yeah. Yeah. Okay. What what else did you list down? So the other thing that um that I said was mentoring. Like someone who's I is connected to community. And I think uh when I when I say this is I'm speaking from my perspective and also from Nathan. Uh like me and Nathan formed this list of what who's Nathan? Nathan? <laughs> Nathan is our Nathan's friend. our mutual friend. Yeah, uh, yeah, our close friend. Uh from church he he was in our in our young adult ministry but yeah we uh he was in our church and we we were forming this like for him uh he said he really needs mentoring and that was something he was looking for at our church um yeah because even though like we're like so we we were at co- we were college age at that time and then we needed someone to help us to grow i think sometimes uh i think in our case our youth pastor left. So we were kind of like, uh, college kids and young adults who didn't have someone reaching out to us, um, Mm -hmm. from the church anymore because our youth pastor left. So I think we had to like turn to other sources for mentoring. Like in your case, you had to go outside of the church, right? Aaron? Yeah. Yeah. So mine was, my story is kind of interesting. We had a pulpit supply preacher because our main, our senior pastor wasn't there. And after the, after his, uh, sermon, I just went up to him. I didn't even introduce myself. I was like, Hey, do you have a Bible study? <laughs> 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 That's the first thing I asked. I didn't even know his name. I just asked if he had a Bible study and kind of started from there. I started going to his house, uh, every week for his Bible study and then. Um, some reason I asked him if he could mentor me and <laughs> he agreed. I, I started going to his house even more, you know, like weekly, mm. uh, besides the Bible study. It was really good. Um, really grew a lot. Um, but I think there were other people too at church in our Filipino church who did s- sort of reach out and tried to, uh, you know, build relationships but not in a systematic kind of way of mentoring, you know, like not in a scheduled kind of way of like a week, week in and week out kind of mentoring. Yeah, I think yeah. at some point we do need that. And I know for sure, for me, I was looking for something like that. But I understand, uh, you know, we were like a small church. Um, a lot of our parents are really busy with their work. Yeah. And a lot of them don't feel, you know, that they are prepared for mentoring. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but I, I do think that like uh, a friend of mine was telling me that uh, there is a place for a lot of the older generation in our church who is kind of retired and they know a lot of stuff and that a lot of them actually wish that they could share what they're, what they know, you know, their wisdom from uh, decades of life, I guess. <laughs> now that they're retired. Yeah. Um, and I think it'd be great if, uh, somehow we could connect these two, 
you know, the young generation and the old generation. But specifically, though, I think in Filipino culture, um, that thing, for that thing to happen, it really needs some push from leadership. You know, it just, uh, it seems like, you know, especially with first generation, and I'm noticing that even more now that I'm in a Filipino church context as a pastor, um, in a Filipino, uh, in a first generation context, it seems like, um, there's this idea that, um, I guess it's kind of like this, this feeling that they're not prepared or trained for it. Mm. You know, uh, know, there needs to be more of a push. Like, yeah, you can do this. You know, you already have the experience. You already have the wisdom. Um, but I, I do think I, it also has to go back with like the church planning some, some training materials or some, uh, discipleship training that, uh, people from the church could go through. Mm-hmm. You know, like if, if, for example, they were planning to, um, uh, mentor, I mean, there's, I, I see a couple ways that it could be done. Right. In Filipino churches, it tends to be like, if there's going to be some discipleship aspect, it funnels down through the, the youth minister. They don't generally think of like parents or older people doing it. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like, if there's going to be some discipleship or mentoring that's going to happen, it's going to be through the, the youth minister. But I think there should be room for like opening it up to, you know, other, other people. Yeah. Like I think other would... more like older, uh, mature people. Yeah. I think that was the problem in our church was, uh, our youth pastor left. So the youth minister who was, I guess he was the, it was his job to disciple us and he was like discipling us. Mm-hmm. Um, and his, and at the abbot, but when they left, then we had no one to turn to, or like we had no mentor. So like you had to go out, look, look for one outside. And then I think even like other people left because of they needed that mm-hmm. mentoring. Even, I think, uh, even our youth leaders, our youth pastor, they needed mentoring too. Right. Yeah, so, yeah. That's, so yeah, I think mentoring is a big, uh, something that needs to be thought about more in the Filipino American church. This kind of also, you know, I think when adults in general, when first generation in general hear the word mentor, it's, it's kind of like a scary term, mm. you know, it denotes sort of, um, that means that you have to know the topic and you're experienced. And it also means a lot of responsibility because I know when we were in the young adults, I was trying to get older men to mentor us. And it was really difficult to find. It was really difficult to make it happen. Yeah. So I think, uh, Perhaps the church should talk about what it means to mentor, to disciple. I mean, what are like simple ways of doing it? Uh, okay. So more yeah. training, more. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah I, I definitely agree. I think like Sarah said that, um, like she goes to CCF or she went to CCF. And I think, uh, the way that they, how discipleship is such a part of their culture. I think, uh, that that would be a good start. I think it would be nice if the young adults, would mentor the high school kids 
in a way. Uh, like I think we had a program where we had that, where the young adult, I, we tried to create a mentoring program where the young adults mentored the high school kids with the permission of the parents, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that was good. Yeah. But them. I think that's still like second generation mentoring a second generation. Yeah. 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 Definitely. So I think, uh, the, what would ideally happen is the young adults are mentored by adults. Um, of course their parents can mentor them, but I think there would be, it would be yeah, nice. I, th- to have I other think, young. I think we had that, um, for me, right? Like a simple way of mentoring for first generation. And, and this happened a lot is like, we would go to someone's house. They would invite us for dinner and like then on that dinner table, we just talk. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's just a simple way of, it's probably the simplest way. Right. Um, I, I guess I'm saying this because I know that in first generation's mind, you, you say mentor, they're already thinking like, I'm not qualified. I didn't go to seminary. Yeah. You know, and I think that's very important. Like a mentoring could just really be just, um, sharing your, your wisdom, you know, your life and asking caring questions like, how are you? What's going on in your life? That, that kind of, how are you guys? You know, if it's like a group, group, uh, mentoring thing. Yeah. Yeah. I remember we, um, there were times we went to Tito Hermi's house mm-hmm. and, uh, Tito Hermi would, uh, even though we were having our dinner there, Tito Hermi would, uh, chime in and talk to us. Mm-hmm. So I think that was like a good start. Like he, yeah. Uh, he would talk to us. He would share about his experiences in the Philippines. Mm. So I think, uh, yeah, I think a good start is just inviting someone over, uh, inviting like for the first generation, if you're a first generation listening to this, a good start would be to just invite the young adults in your house. And mm. we need that more. Like we need more, um, intergenerational, mm-hmm. um, fellowship. Like the, I was, uh, one of the sermons I was listening to was, like singles, they need to see what parenting looks like and they need to be invited in that, in that, um, stage of life. And then yeah. likewise, the, uh, the parents, they need, they also want to <laughs> have fellowship with, uh, singles too. So I think more mm-hmm. fellowship between the generations or different life stages is always good for, mm-hmm. for that. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, another thing though about mentoring is I think the second generation, they have certain things that they're looking for in, mm-hmm. uh, a mentor, right? Like, I think for me, um, I don't know. I think sometimes maybe, do you think the second generation might be kind of, maybe they're too picky or maybe they need a different kind of, um, mentor like yeah um uh, the mentee usually a lot of times like they don't really know exactly what they need anyways yeah right like yeah i think of it as like you know i'm a teacher i teach music like a, a new guitar student doesn't really know what they i mean they have an idea of what they attain to be but the exact kind of qualities that, that they're looking for in a teacher i mean i don't think they exactly know what they need yeah, you know, yeah until you have more experience so i don't know i don't know that kind of answers your question well i, I want to i think what we get to the root of it is like for example with you 
like when you were getting when you seeked out that mentor like how did you why did you go to them instead of the adults in our church or like why what was it that drove well, you was because the the simple answer is i couldn't find any you couldn't church. find any at our yeah, church who would say yes to me so you you did ask people to mentor you yes uh, but okay. i think also um I did see like, wow, this guy is like, I felt like that guy, the person who mentored me, Vernon, was um, really godly. Mm. Right. Um, and he did. I mean, he helped me a lot. Yeah. But there was also a lot of godly people at church. Mm. So the godly people, I guess you went to. They were too busy, I guess. Yeah, it's just that they're busy, and Vernon was a retired pastor, so. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I guess yeah, maybe that's it. He just had time, I guess. Oh, okay, time. So I think, I think to help with this question, like if for church leaders who are listening to this, they need. I think it would be nice if the first generation made more a conscious effort to reach out to yeah. the second generation, like a. A conscious like dedication of time maybe That's like great. i know it's hard like i mean i don't have kids but i can imagine like those who had small kids it's hard yeah it's hard <laughs> it's hard well um i get oh, it's it's up to the local church how they decide what's sensible what what would work for them but it, it definitely is a good idea to start thinking about uh how you can fulfill that commandment to make disciples yeah, and I think for the first generation, if there's if there are people in your church who are second gen, and they don't have a mentor, you should try to address it, like, or you should try to reach out to find find someone who can reach out to that, mm-hmm. or like make a strategy for the church to reach out to that to those yeah. individuals, so they don't feel like they don't have a mentor. Yeah, because I think when I think for me at least, uh, it was hard. I mean, I did have a mentor. So I met with him once in a while. Um, and I also had mentors from other churches, but it was also, it was kind of hard a little bit to, well, while I was at the church, um, cause I'm also reaching out to my mentees or like I'm reaching out to those who I'm discipling. And I was also reaching out to my mentor. So I think, yeah, it was a, it was a difficult situation to stay in my church with, uh, when I'm reaching out to both, it would be nice. Like if I had like a mentor who is reaching out to me and saying mm-hmm. like, Hey, let's meet. Uh, yeah. So I think that would go a long way for the, the needs of the second generation. Yeah. It does kind of go, it does overlap. And this issue overlaps a lot with sort of the, the DNA or the discipling process that's happening at the church. If you have a good DNA, a good discipling process to begin with, this would be a lot easier. Oh yeah, definitely. You know, and it wouldn't be such a big problem. But this is probably for the next topic, but it does seem like in a Filipino church, a lot of the ministry in the minds of the people, at least is done by the people, the people who are, who are working like the pastors. Yeah, yeah. No. And uh not by the church themselves. Right. So they see the um I guess the staff or the pastors doing the ministry. Mm-hmm. 
imagine if every guy, every person at the church was convinced that they need to make disciples. Yeah, yeah. You know, then this would not be a problem. Yeah, and then they would know what it looks like. Like, if, I think maybe they need examples. Yeah. Like, if you, in order to disciple others, you need to be discipled, right? So I think when they have discipleship in the DNA and then they see more examples of discipleship, yeah. all you need is a, an example and then you'll know what it looks like. Maybe that's why uh, it's so, it's so hard sometimes because they don't have, they don't know what it looks like in a church with yeah. that DNA. Yeah, so for our church, for example, it's just a quick example. Um, I'm teaching them, currently teaching them simple tools that they could use for discipleship. Simple methodology that they could use if they were, if they were to gather some friends or coworkers or some people that they could use, even with just their Bible of how they could do some sort of discipleship. Mm -hmm. Um, and they don't need to be seminary trained. They don't need to have like super high education. Yeah, that's good. You know, just a simple tool. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's good. Like we don't, we don't, we don't want people to feel like they can only disciple when they have a seminary degree. But I think that's one of the biggest hindrances, though, especially in Filipinos, Filipino churches, right? Like um, that idea of like sinubaho, or like who, who am I? And like uh, I'm not qualified for this. Why me? Kind of um, mentality. Mm, yeah. You know, or um, uh, you can kind of see it in the ex- in the expressions, like uh, you know, kapal um, na and like those kind of things. Where mm-hmm. uh, I don't want to embarrass myself. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, so I guess in 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 short, it's I think uh, to begin this process of of incorporating the second generation mentorship community I, I, it really does start with encouraging people and showing them that yeah they they can contribute something to the church mm-hmm. with their own personality with their own giftings yeah with their own life experience yeah I think yeah I think something that we overlook is uh if you're in a if you're in a different stage of life, you always have something to offer mm-hmm. for the stage that you used to be in. There's always something there. <clears throat> yeah, like I have a three year old and a five year old. Um, I would benefit greatly from just talking, just hanging out with somebody who has teenagers. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, I can see that. Even if they don't say anything, and we just hang out together, and I observe the person. Oh, yeah, how yeah. how they interact with their family that's disciple that's mentorship life on life yeah life on life doesn't have to be you know doesn't have to be words mm. yeah yeah okay I think uh, we can move on to another need yeah. uh, so, something else that we were thinking is we need someone in the leadership who understands the second generation needs so we kind of talked about this in our one of our episodes. Is that the second one? Or, anyways, we talked about this. Um, yeah, I think the second generation they need um, someone in leadership who is uh, who understands them. 
<laughs> I guess what you're trying to say is like someone who focuses or at least tries to learn about the second generation, their struggles, who they are. Yeah, what, yeah. What they For need. example, they don't necessarily have to be second gen, but someone who is actively pursuing or trying to figure out how they could minister better to the younger generation. Yeah, well, as an example, like um, there was one couple that I know of at the Misha and um, her husband in another church. They they started a Bible study with the the young adults in their church. And also in the surrounding churches, they mm-hmm. had this young adult Bible study. And I think like she's not second gen, but uh, I don't think she's second gen. But yeah. that was already good. I mean, that's a, that was already a good. Um, and I, th- I don't think I don't think everyone there was uh, second gen either. So it might be it might be that I think, yeah, maybe they're also 1.5 gen. But in any case, I think having some intention. Yeah, yeah. In in any case, like she under, she really reached out to, or reaches out to her young adult. Um, yeah. So I think that would be good if uh, there was someone who there are more adults who are like that, who are reaching out to the the next generation. And I think she understands. Like when I when I was with her, like even though I'm second gen and she's first gen, I felt like she understood me. So, and. So if she was in leadership at the church, like that would really bring a lot of comfort to me because I know she has, she knows what my interests are or like my, so I, I would trust her in leadership because I, because if the church leaders decide to do something, I know she would speak up for me. I guess what you're really saying there is it's really just a voice. Uh, they just need a voice in leadership. Yeah, exactly. They need a voice. Like they need someone who, um, like if the first generation decides to go in one direction, like a representative, yeah, a representative, like they need someone who can say, Oh, the second generation, they, they wouldn't like that. Or they, it would be nice if we did this more so that they could, cause this is what they want. For example, in the, for the second gen, like this is going deeper into like the millennial or the generations. But for example, I know some, some uh, millennials and some Gen Z, they really care about getting involved in the community. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of Filipino churches, um, they don't really have like a program for community involvement. So <clears throat> they, they really want this. Um, and it would be nice if they had like a, a leader who could, um, push for that in the church. That sort of overlaps with that sense of community. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, and uh, also overlaps with mentorship too. Yeah, because I think, uh, you know, I used to, you know, I used to work at a an Anglo church. We had this church where it's like a whole mix of uh, congregations. Did five congregations, I think, and I worked in the Anglo. There was a Filipino, Egyptian, there was Hispanic, but there was an Anglo church, and um, it's very interesting because uh not only was i the only non-anglo that you see up on the stage mm-hmm. but i was also mostly the youngest one <laughs> and i think that's kind of important you know for people to see that oh you know there's somebody who's young and oh, yeah, yeah. looks different 
I think in the same way, you know, when young people see some, when all they see in leadership are like first gen. <laughs> yeah. Um, not that that's, that's wrong or that's bad, but it would be good if they see somebody like, Oh, that's kind of like me. I can serve here too. Yeah. You know, I can do something in this church too. Like mm. Henrik, <laughs> you know, so I think it's important what people see. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that's kind of like with the multi-ethnic churches, something that they strive for is having different uh, ethnicities who are in leadership. Because if you have a different ethnicity, um, someone who looks like you in leadership, that does a lot of makes a lot of difference, right? But that's for another topic. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good point. I forgot to mention that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Seeing a second gen who's in leadership or leading worship, even just leading worship, that's like a, an encouragement. Yeah. It makes them feel that they're they belong at that church. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, that's, that's kind of the start. Right? If I see somebody like me leading something, then I'll say to myself, Oh, I can also do something like that. Or maybe I'll start a Bible study. If he can do it, I can do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Anyways, I think this is a good conversation and, um, we can continue part two for next time. Yes, definitely. Yeah, thank you everyone for listening to our podcast. Um, please join us in further episodes. We'll t- be talking about this more. Uh, we didn't get to cover everything, but we'll talk more about this. And please give us your feedback if you don't agree or if you agree or you have other ideas. Comment down and uh, reach out to us. <laughs> thank you. Peace.